Good morning, Transformation Church. It's good to be back here and see you guys all today. I just want to echo what has already been said. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, uncles, grandpas, and everything like that. Happy Father's Day to y'all. want to encourage you to you know, spend some time with your dad today and just have fun with them, tell them you love them, just have a good time. But um, we're going to get into it. Uh, I was here about a month ago on Mother's Day, if you guys remember, and I spoke about the characteristics of a godly mother. So as you can probably guess, today on Father's Day, I'm going to talk about the characteristics of a godly son. I'm just kidding, a godly father. So we're just going to go ahead and get into it. The first characteristic characteristic of a godly father that I want to talk about is that a godly father knows and submits to God. A godly father knows and submits to God. He has a personal relationship with God, and that is his priority in life. Your personal relationship with God, that's for every Christian, not just the father, every Christian. Your personal relationship with Jesus Christ has to be your number one priority in life before your family, your possessions, your your job, all that. Those are all important things, but your personal relationship with Jesus Christ has to be the priority. And I think it's really important too that um, as fathers you submit to God and obey him because we look at dads and the family structure and we see dads as the head of the household they're the ones that people look to right you know mom looks to dad the parent or the kids they look up to dad and you know what dad says is you know it's important it carries weight around the house dads are very influential to the family so if the rest of the family sees the father and he finds it important to obey God, to submit to God, then they'll see that and say, hey, the person that I obey, the person that I look to, looks to someone bigger and higher than himself. Maybe that's something I should do as well. And that's why it's important because they carry, dads carry such an influence in the family if they don't think it's worth or they don't show their family that it's worth to submit and obey to God, why would their family think that it is? Because they don't have that example of the father. The next characteristic, and the first couple characteristics all kind of just go together. The next one I want to talk about is that a godly father teaches his kids about Jesus. He, he teaches them, instructs them about God. And we see it's so common to leave the job of teaching about God solely to pastors and while that is a job of pastors to teach people about God, if you leave it solely to them, it's just it's not going to work out well because people see their pastors for one or two days a week, maybe for a couple hours at a time, and most of the time they're up on stage just talking to them. And you can listen, but you don't really get that interaction that you typically get between parents and their kids. See, it's only a couple hours a week, whereas your kids and your parents, they see each other every day pretty much, and they get to spend that time together. Obviously, you know, sometimes on there's certain days you have to work more than others, and you don't get as much time, but typically throughout the week, parents and kids have way more opportunities to spend time together than kids and pastors, or anyone in pastors, really. And that time, it should be used for a lot of things. It should be used to bond, to laugh, to goof off, to play. It should be used for all these things, but it should also be used to teach your kids about God and to instill that knowledge in them. Because if you only, if you leave the job to Sunday morning is whenever we talk about God and that's it, or Wednesday night, Sunday night, whatever it is, 
then your kids will grow up thinking, God, he's just a Sunday thing. He's just a thing that only pastors talk about. You know, ordinary people, they don't talk about God, just pastors. And if we do that, that's, a, that's not how we're called to live. We shouldn't, it's not just a select few people talk about God. We only talk about God on this day. We should be so on fire for God. We, everybody talks about God on every day. That's how we're called to live. So it's a huge responsibility of not just dads, but parents, but yes, dads, to teach their children about God. The next characteristic I want to talk about is that a godly father instills love for God to his kids. I've been going to this Bible study back at home for the past couple of weeks on Wednesday nights just with some guys I went to high school with and from our area. And one of the guys, he knows this police officer, and he was telling him about how we were having this Bible study, and the police officer said, well, I'd love to come. I'd love to just sit with y'all and talk and listen, talk to you guys a little bit. So he came this past Wednesday, and he was talking to us, and he told us something that his mom told him, and now now that he's a dad, he's in his 30s now. We're all like 20, so we're, you know, the youngins, and he was just giving us some wisdom but he, he's a little older. He is a son now. And he was thinking, like, he didn't really understand it when his mom told him growing up. But as he's gotten older, now that he is a kid, he understands it. Is that one of the greatest things that you can do as a parent is to instill the love for God to your kids. And so how do you do that? Right? How do you inspire your kids to love God? How, before you leave earth, one of the biggest jobs you have is to inspire your kids to love God. And how do you do that? Well, you don't do it by forcing them to go to church every single Sunday. Get up, let's go to church. You don't force them to read their Bible or to pray because kids don't want to be forced. Nobody wants to be forced into anything. Kids don't want to be forced into anything. And as long as your kids are forced into a relationship with Christ, they're never going to have that love for God. So instead of doing that, be the example that they need because kids don't want to be forced into things, but they will seek to be like those that they look up to. So if you want to have godly kids, be a godly parent. If you want your kids to be excited about going to church, wake up and be excited about going to church every, every week. Don't be like, oh, we went last week, and uh, but you have to actually be excited about it. You know, don't be like, all right, get up. We have to go to church this week. It's, it's time to go. I know it's early. Let's, we have to go. Be excited about it. Don't be don't act it as a chore because as long as you're looking at your Christian life as a chore, it'll never inspire your kids to love God. You want your kids to pray, let them see you pray. Pray with them. Show them how they should pray. Because, I mean, that's something we all have to learn at some point, right? And it's, it can be hard for a lot of people to pray, especially in public. Help your kids out. Teach them how to pray. Let them practice praying with you. Say, like, hey, like, you know, there's no one way to do this. You can just have your conversation with God and just let them get used to that. You want your kids to read their Bible Read your Bible, you know, let them see you read your Bible. Maybe Saturday morning, have your quiet time in your little, you know, your reclining chair in the morning while they're watching cartoons or something. Let them see you read your Bible. Uh, Read your Bible with them. Read their Bible with them. Teach them the importance of God's Word. You want your kids to have a servant's heart? Be the servant, the chief servant of the family. Show them why it's important to serve and what it means to serve. 
it's like I said, kids don't want to be forced into anything, but they will seek to be like those that they look up to. And parents, they look up to their kids, especially when they're younger, and hopefully as they get old, they will continue to, but they look up to their parents. So they will seek to be like you, so be the example that they need. Don't just tell them that God needs to be a priority in your life. Show them that he is a priority in your life. A godly father is the chief servant of the family. I said this when I preached on Mother's Day, that a godly father is the chief servant of the family. I'll say it again here. A godly father needs to selflessly love and serve his family. That love and service, they go hand in hand. If you love someone, you're going to want to serve them. And you serve out of love. Just like Jesus selflessly washed his disciples' feet when he was about to be crucified, men, fathers, should serve their families in the same way. Just as Jesus said in John 13, 15, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. I think it's important to note about service that we have a correct view of service and that we teach children a correct view of service. Because service service that comes with the expectation of return isn't service at all. I know a lot of times we think of like food service, like, oh, I have to give them money and they give me my service. Like, that is a service. I'm talking about biblical service here, not the service that we see in the world today. Because biblical service doesn't come with the expectation of return. We're not, it doesn't expect payment. So if your whole life, or if a kid's whole life, their parents model to them that service comes with payment, they're going to grow up thinking that service comes with payment. So whenever they are old, or not old, but they are an adult, and they, um, you know, I'm 20, so everybody's old to me, but, you know, whenever they're an adult, you know, 25 or something, and they are living their life, they're starting their life, and they want to get involved in a church or anything like that, they want to serve, but they don't have a correct view of service. And then also, another bad thing about that is as they're growing up, you tell them their whole life that service comes with payment, what do they think they're going to think whenever they hear that Jesus Christ served them by dying on the cross for them? They're going to have an incorrect view of what that meant because they're going to think, okay, well, Jesus, he died for my sins. He did the greatest act of service there ever was. What do I have to pay him now? What, what do I have to do to, to obtain that, to get that? We know that that was a debt that we could never pay. We can never pay back Jesus for what he did for us on the cross. That's nothing. We could never pay that back. Now, we should try to be like Jesus. We should devote our lives to obeying God and submitting to God. And I know some people kind of think of that as like a payback or like that's what we owe to Jesus. But we could never pay God back for what he did to us. So we need to, as a father, you need to teach your kids what true service is. You need to model genuine service so that one, they'll grow up and have a servant's heart. And two, they'll have a correct view of what service is. So I want you guys to think, like, what are some genuine or some ways that you can model genuine service in your life? Because it's, it's something we think about, we look at it, and we're like, well, I don't know who to serve. I don't know, I don't know how to serve. I don't know what, what should I do. And it's, it's really simple. It's, it's very simple. Scripture gives us a, kind of a model, I guess you could say. Matthew seven twelve. whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. You, won't, you don't know how to serve somebody? Think about what you would want someone to do for you and then go do it for them. Think about, you want your neighbor to help you with your lawn? Go help him with his lawn. You want 
you know, you may not know anything about a lawn, but say, hey, I'm here, extra pair of hands, I'm ready to learn or whatever, things like that. There is an infinite amount of ways to serve people and an infinite people, well, I guess it's not infinite because there's only a certain number of people on earth, but there's, you know, what, seven billion people on earth? There's that many people that need service in the world, some sort of service from the richest of the rich to the poorest of the poor. They need some kind of service in their life. Just, you know, maybe it's your elderly neighbors and they need their lawn cut because, you know, it's almost July and that second week of July heat is coming upon us. I worked landscaping for four out of the last five years and whenever you're doing a push mower in that grass and it's it's thick, and they're elderly, so they haven't cut in a few weeks, so it's, and you got to cut it two or three times, because it, it feels like it's raining, but really it's not, it's just humid, nobody wants to do that, you know, no, nobody wants to do that, that's, that's a way you can serve people, you know, maybe it's getting in a, involved in a ministry at your church, you know, I mean, you don't want to, you don't necessarily want to get up earlier, or stay later, or, or go on a Thursday night to do something, but that's a way you can model service. That's a way that you can serve, and then you can model service to your kids. So there, there's a very, very uh, large amount of ways that you can serve people. The next point I want to talk about is that a godly father is consistent. You heard Matt say it before we started. A godly father is consistent. And this is something we can all relate to, I think. Um, I think the most common example is probably the gym. I, I mean, whether you're trying to gain weight or trying to lose weight, trying to build muscle, whatever it is, everybody, I feel like at some point in their life has been like, all right, I'm going to start going to the gym every day or every weekday, whatever. I'm going to spend an hour there. Whatever it is, we have this goal that we set. I mean, I've, I've said that probably a thousand times in my life that I'm going to get big. I mean, I've been a little skinny my entire life. And as you can see, every time I've set that goal, it still has not come to fruition. But maybe the next time it will. Hopefully I'll be consistent doing that. But it's easy to achieve your goal or to be consistent with your goal when you still have that motivation. But as soon as the motivation is gone, all you have to rely on to continue your goal is discipline and consistency. Discipline and consistency will carry you way farther than that motivation ever will. So if you're a father and you want to be a godly father, you say, okay, that's my goal. I'm going to be a godly father. I'm going to read my Bible with the kids. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pray with them. I'm going to teach them about having a servant's heart. We're going to, you know, we're going to get up and cook mom breakfast. That's what we used to always do. We'd always cook mom breakfast. It was usually, y'all ever had rice cakes and you put peanut butter on it? It's good. Yeah, that's what... That's a staple in our family. Rice cake pizzas, too. I'll tell you about that one. That's rice cake with salsa, cheese, little bacon bits. Heat it up. Good stuff. All right. Anyway, that's, I'm sorry, that was off topic. But, you know, you, want, you have this goal. You want to be a godly father. You want, you want your kids to be servants. You want to pray with them, read your Bible with them. You want to teach them about God. That's the goal. And you, ha- you may have that. You want to take them to church. You may have that motivation, you know, for the first couple weeks as you're doing it, and then you have a really bad day at work, and you're like, I just want to go home. Maybe it's a Friday, you had a really bad day, and you want to sleep till Monday. You don't want to see the sun again till Monday. It's one of those kind of days, all right? And that's when you lose that motivation. You have to rely rely on consistency and discipline to still, hey, I'm still going to read my Bible with my kids tonight. I'm still going to pray with them tonight. We're still going to get up early and go to church on Sunday morning. 
and we're still going to do these things. That's when you have to be consistent because, like Matt said, our Heavenly Father is very consistent. And as fathers on earth, we want to model the Heavenly Father to our kids, right? We want to give them a good representation of what the Heavenly Father is. So that's why it's so important to be consistent. And there's been thousands of studies, probably not thousands, there's been a lot of studies done on the the correlation between how kids view their heavenly father and how kids view their earthly father. And it's almost the same for every person. You all, They often will view the heavenly father the same way they view their earthly father. So if you tell them, oh, it's really important that we go to church and that we read our Bible and that we pray and we do all these things, but you're not consistent in that, then you're telling your kids that, yes, it's really important to live this Christian life, but it's not important enough to do it every day. It's not important enough to be consistent in it. So that's why it's so important to be consistent, even whenever it's hard, you, even when you lose the motivation to still have that consistency. And then, so here, I'm going to give you one more um, quality of characteristic of a godly father. And this is the one where it's like, you know, if, you, if you've been munching on your snack that you got before and you haven't been really paying attention, this is the one that you need to hear. Matt's already told you it, but I'll tell it to you again, is that a godly father imitates the heavenly father. And it's pretty, it's, it's like kind of like love covers all. It's pretty much like that one right there, all right? If you imitate the heavenly father, everything else that I said, you're going to do. But our heavenly father is loving, Right, First John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Behold what manner of love. You know, behold, I, whenever I read that, I imagine like John, I guess he's writing, but I kind of imagine him talking. He's like, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Because like that's the greatest love ever, that we should be called children of God. Because we... You know, we sin every day. We, we forsake God often. We, we don't deserve that love at all. And that's the greatest love of all time because even though we never deserved it and we deserve death, right, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve for our sin. But instead, instead of that death, we got the chance to become children of God, the opportunity to be children of God. So that is the greatest love of all time, and that's the same love that a father should love his children with. Well, what else is our Heavenly Father? Our Heavenly Father is merciful, Luke 6, 35 through 36. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil, therefore be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. You know, every day that we wake up is evidence of God's mercy because we don't deserve a single one, right? But our Heavenly Father, He's so loving, He's so merciful, He sent His Son Christ as the ransom for our sins, our sin debt that we can never pay back. He is so loving and so merciful that He did that for us so that we have the opportunity to become children of God, that love that He's bestowed upon us. So every day is evidence of his mercy because if you're a believer, every day is an opportunity to grow closer to God, and it's a day you don't deserve. And if you're not a believer, every day is an opportunity to receive Christ, and that's a day that you don't deserve. So every day is evidence of God's mercy. And also, it's, it's kind of 
You know, you talk about, you know, God being loving and merciful and everybody loves to do that. And then the next quality, and kind of Matt talked about too, is that our Heavenly Father disciplines. Because there's no, people love to talk about the love and the mercy, but they always skip out on the discipline. But the discipline goes hand in hand with love and mercy. Hebrews 12, 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father doesn't chasten? If you view God as some just big disciplinarian in the sky, he's just waiting for you to mess up so he can strike you down and bring that hellfire down on you. If that's how you view God, I'm, oh, I'm not sorry, but you have an incorrect view. I'm sorry you view God that way, but you have an incorrect view of God as the father. That's, that's not how God is at all. But think, why do parents discipline their children? Well, it should be because they love them, right? They don't, whatever it is they're disciplining them for that the kid was doing, they know that's not good for them. They're trying to protect them from continuing in that, from going down the wrong path. And it's the same thing with God. He doesn't want us to sin. Our sin leads to death. He doesn't want us to continue in that. He loves us too much to not try to protect us from that. But sometimes, you know, hey, don't do that again. It doesn't work for a kid. You know, sometimes they need some discipline. It's the same thing with us and God. He loves us too much to not try to protect us from going down the wrong path. And that's the same way that, so that's how the Heavenly Father treats us. That's how our earthly father should treat our kids. We should love them so much that we don't want them to make mistakes. I mean, obviously, they're going to make mistakes. They're not perfect, but we want to protect them from that so they don't do it again. And as I'm coming to a close here in a few minutes, I don't think that there's a better way to kind of conclude a Father's Day message than to just go over the parable of the lost son. Because that is one of my favorite, at least my favorite picture probably in the Bible of God as our father. And you guys, you guys know the prodigal son, but I'm just going to tell it to you anyway because I love it so much. But, you know, there's a man, there's a dad, father, he's got two sons. You know, there's the older one, the younger one, and the younger one says... You know, Dad, I'd like to have my inheritance. And, you know, you think about when do you give somebody your inher- their inheritance whenever you die. So he's like saying, Dad, I don't really care if you're alive or not. I just want my inheritance. That's kind of the picture that he's saying there. I just want my inheritance. And so his dad, he, he says, okay. He gives him his inheritance. And the younger son, he leaves. He goes and lives a wild lifestyle, just wasteful lifestyle, anything you can think of that you would do to indulge in yourself, that's what he did. He just lived a lifestyle of pleasing himself. Whatever the world says he should do, he did that. And, you know, as that lifestyle tends to leave you, he became penniless and he had nothing. And he's in this foreign land and this, this famine comes across the land and he's just, he's, you know, searching for work. He's hungry. He's broke. He ain't got nothing. And he begins working in this pigsty, and he's feeding the pigs just this slop. And he's sitting there as he's feeding these pigs, and he's thinking, man, I wish I had some of this slop. And that, that's for me, like, I remember one time I was at a restaurant, and I, my brother tricked me into eating tofu, and it was disgusting. It was, like, slimy, and I don't know, it was weird. But he told me he would eat it, too, if I ate it, and then I ate it, and he didn't eat it. Anyway, I'm sorry. Here we go again. But so he's, he's feeding the pigs this slop, and it's just disgusting. But he's like, I wish I could eat this. I wish I, could, I, wish I had this because I'm so hungry. And then he's thinking to himself, he says, you know what? My dad, he's got so many servants, and they're all, 
they all have plenty of food to eat. Like, what am I doing here? I can go back to my dad and tell him how sorry I am and just ask him if I can please just be one of his servants and work out in this field. So he decides that's what he's going to do, and he goes back to his homeland and gets back to his house. He's off on the distance a little bit, and his dad sees him coming, and he runs out, and he greets him. And the son begins to say, like, I've sinned against you in heaven. Just let me be one of your servants. And the father, he says, let me find it right here. Uh, he, he tells his, he said to the servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found and they begin to be merry. And so there was just so much rejoicing and joy whenever his son that had just completely forsaken him, pretty much said, I don't really care if you're alive or dead. I just want what you're going to give me and left. He came back, and there's just rejoicing. There's joy. There's love. That's mercy. That's love. That's his joy, acceptance. And the older brother, the one that, you know, he didn't leave his father. He, he stayed by his father his whole life, and he'd always listened to him. He comes to him. He says, Dad, like, I've always been by your side. I've always listened to what you said to do. I've always done it. I've never complained. I've never done any of that. And here you are throwing this party for this guy. You've never thrown a celebration for me. And his his dad looks at him and says, well, you're right about the fact that you've never left me. You've always been by my side. You've always listened to me. That's true. Like You are my son. Everything I have is yours. But then he tells him what he's wrong about. He says, you're wrong to think that we shouldn't celebrate for your brother. Because your brother was lost and he is found. He was dead and now he is alive. And that is cause for rejoicing. And that's, that's such a beautiful picture of the Heavenly Father and us. Because we, I mean, we turn our backs. We are, we, we, as much as we'd like to say we're the older brother, we always stay by God's side and listen to what he says and everything. We're not. We are, we're the prodigal son. We're the one that takes everything that God's given us and we waste it and then we say, God, I'm sorry, I won't, let me come back, please. And he always rejoices and allows us back. So I'm going to give you guys a few closing points and we'll, we'll continue on our day. But if you want to be a godly father, if you want to raise godly kids, you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. It needs to be your priority in life. They need, you need to let your kids see your personal relationship with Jesus. You know, Tell them your testimony. Tell them what God's doing in your life. Your testimony is a powerful thing, and it doesn't belong just in the walls of the church. You can tell your testimony wherever, and you can tell your testimony to your kids. You can tell them what God has done in your life, and you can tell them what he's continuing to do in your life, what you're learning about God. You know, let your parents see you still learning about God even in your old age. Sorry, even in your your uh, advanced age, you know, let your parent, let your kids see you that you're still learning about God. Let them see you submit to God. Let them see you offer everything to God. Teach your kids about God. Show them what He has done in your life. Serve your kids. Serve your wife. Serve your family. Right. Serve your friends. Serve your community. Serve your church, and do it. In, with a correct view of service, do it not expecting anything in return. Show your model genuine service to your kids. And then always imitate the Heavenly Father as you father your kids. If you, you know, you don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know where I should go. Like, like uh, I think it was Matt said there's no, people say there's no guideline, there's no book of instructions for fathering your kids. And as he said, we can look to the Heavenly Father 
look to the Heavenly Father and model that to your kids. Imitate that to your kids. You know, or, but maybe, you know, that, those are all the care, things you want to do if you want to be a godly father. But maybe you find yourself, on, you know, in the prodigal son story. And you're the one, and you feel like you've just wasted away everything that God's given you. He's, you know, he's given you these talents. He's given you just everything that you have in your life. And you feel like you've just wasted it away. Just know that God will always have the same response whenever we come back to him. And that is that it will be rejoicing because his son was dead and is alive again, was lost and was found. It's never too late to go back to God because there will always be more joy in heaven when one sinner comes, from, comes to repentance than over 99 righteous people have no need for repentance. So just, it's never too late to come back to God. I'll pray for us and we'll continue on the day. Dear Lord, thank you for being our Heavenly Father. Thank you for being the best possible Father that has ever existed and will ever exist. And thank you for allowing uh, us to just follow in your footsteps. We pray that just as we go about the rest of our lives, the, our day, our weeks, whatever it may be, that we would just imitate you to everybody, God, that we would um, just be more like you, that we would seek to have a personal relationship with you, that we would make that our priority, that people would see that it's our priority, and that people would know by looking at us and spending time with us that you and our relationship with you is our priority in life. We love you so much, and we just thank you. We thank you for all the dads in the room, the uncles, the grandpas, all the father figures in the room. Just thank you for them. We pray for this day as we go out that we would just be you to other people. People would see you in us and that that would continue as we go out, not just today, but always. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.